Hello, everyone. Derek Floyd here, Beautiful Now Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Chasing the Impossible. This is the segment where I interview special guests who happen to have accomplished impossible things along the way to let you know and to remind you that no matter how impossible your dream may seem, how big it may be, how daunting it can seem, you can accomplish yours too. But as always, if you love the content you see here, you got to do me a favor. Hit me with a like or subscribe to the channel. This lets me get the most updated content to you as soon as it's available. And as always, our podcasts are powered by IK Multimedia. Now, my special guest today just happens to be a pioneer DJ producer in the EDM, or electronic dance music genre. He's also credited with actually being one of the first to bring a specific track, Sandstorm, to the U.S. that broke new ground for EDM music. They say this guy was one of the ones that brought it all here, who brought it from the underground to making it be huge in the U.S. clubs. But he's got a story to tell you that might surprise you. So sit back and relax and help me welcome our new friend, Darude. Darude, you there, my friend? I'm here. I'm here. Ah, Just for you, my man. Is. Man, I actually do appreciate you making some time to talk to the subscribers. What's been going on out there in Finney? Uh, not much. The usual COVID lockdown stuff. I've been uh, in my studio quite a lot. I've been um, today. I'll be working on a track uh, that has like sort of a trance mix is ready, but I'm, I want to do a houseier mix for it. And nice. then I also did this um, uh, DJ mix for for uh, UK Kiss FM. It's going to be okay. aired in a. I don't know, in a week or two. And um, yeah, that's that. My, my day is about to end here. And uh, then it's family time after that. And you know what? If the snow has melted and if it's dry, while my son goes to hockey practice, I'm going to go skateboard a little bit. <laughs> Look at you, man. Still rocking the skateboard, huh? Well, I don't know about rocking, but, but um, <laughs> trying. Oh, man, you have been in this game. You're a veteran, man, for, for over 20 years. Does it feel like it's been that long? Uh, I mean, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes sometimes it's like yesterday. Like, I remember a lot of small little details from, you know, along the way. But then at the same time, yeah, obviously, uh, like in everything, 20 years is, is a really long time. And a lot has uh, happened, and we have had a lot lot in that that uh, time period but um i don't know I, I still feel like i'm the the 16 17 year old kid who fell in love uh, with music and and uh, didn't even know that that uh, he'd ever be a, a performer or a professional wow wow and when i think of where you started from and where you are now i'm sure you look at the music industry and say man so much has changed right i mean it's not the same as it was then or is it similar how's it changing your world uh i mean when i'm here when i make my music i i try and be the same dude you know do the same kind of stuff just be here and and uh, create the stuff that i like um I'm still inspired by sounds and just noodling around, having fun with it. But yeah, the industry, you know, we've we've had internet revolution in many sort of ways. We've had from vinyl to CD to MP3s to streaming transitions. And, uh, you know, there wasn't micro payments. There wasn't online payments when I first started. Uh, <laughs> there was certainly no Bitcoins and Ethereums and, and NFTs and whatnot. So... Oh, there were no superstar DJs really either. Maybe a couple of names that started then, you know, uh, mid-90s sort of coming up. But um, it was all about bands. And there was obviously dance music then, but it wasn't really a DJ kind of touring thing sure. at that point. So, And I wasn't a DJ when I started. I was, I was uh, just a noisemaker. Wouldn't even call myself a producer. And... <laughs> and um, I later became a DJ after after I was sort of found after my first track Sandstorm uh, took off and there was all of a sudden some demand for touring uh, but I did like live shows first I had keyboards and effects units and sampler and whatnot to uh, to get it going and then a couple of years in I sort of on the side learned how to technically DJ and then I started just adding to my live shows length initially just djing uh you know an extra set after the fact and 
and then later on just started being booked as a DJ as well. Wow, wow. And when I think about DJ slash producer, it, they really are two jobs. They're two different specific skill sets. Which do you find yourself leaning toward more, being a DJ or producer, and why? Um, I couldn't really say. Like, so I, I started as a noisemaker. Uh, that's my first love. You know, sitting here, pressing a key or noodling around with a mouse and something happening that pleases me or something triggers something. Um, you know, I play two notes and there's a delay on top of that sound and then it starts creating harmonics uh, or there's a rhythm coming from the delay and that I hear and then I start sort of hearing more and more things and layers and then I, what I hear, try to actually play out with certain sound uh, that kind of builds like Lego blocks or whatever. And um, uh, that's my first love, absolutely. But then being a producer and a DJ, um, that's like best of both worlds. Uh, it's just different size of the coin when you talk about dance music. So there's nothing better than, you know, sitting in my studio on a Thursday creating a piece of music sometimes even finishing it up on a on an airplane or something at a, in a hotel room and then the next night going to a club having that you know now fresh new track or a version of it that is playable and i can just test play it right then and there for for a live crowd um that's gotta right be cool. now that's gotta be cool. Yeah, everybody I mean, can't. Everybody can't do it that way. They can't create a piece of music and it, instantly get it yeah. out to fans. That's cool. And the key there is that I'll play it. I test play it, and if it creates a good reaction, I'll be like, "Yeah, <clears throat> something I made." <laughs> and it, it, if if it doesn't work, I'll quietly mix in the next track and never tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but for real, for, for a dance music producer, that testing ground is the best thing that you can have. And I'm, I'm, I consider myself lucky um, having the, the opportunity to just like field test stuff immediately. Like sometimes when I mix, you know, on a Friday, I mix two tracks together, mm -hmm. somebody else's tracks and i realized holy crap they really gel they their harmonies work or rhythms or whatever uh the next night i can actually have a fully working like studio produced mashup of those two ready to go or i can decide i'll never try and produce anything with them Mm -hmm. mashup wise but i'll just do that as a live mashup because they just work so well together or i can get inspired like hey my track plus that other track might work really well together and i can uh sort of mind you not copy anything not like that but get right. the idea like hey the vocal went like this and then the other track's bass line was like that well i have a bass line that is a little similar can i get a singer to sing something like phrasing wise or timing wise a little similar to this because that gives me like a great idea for a vocal so yeah. you know i call somebody noodle around it with my production and it's so immediate that i can see it on the dance floor and i i can basically make a mental note or even mumble to my phone during the set hey remember ah. to check this track think it like that 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 and then when i you know I'm, I'm back at the hotel or back in my right. studio here in Finland, then I can sort of like, you know, revisit those thoughts, even sounds that I can hear if I actually really recorded something on the phone. And, uh, you know, the next week I might have a piece of new music that I can try out that was based on my experience with live crowd in the middle of a DJ set. And that that's just so cool. inspired and triggered <laughs> something like that. And so I, cool. it's it's a it's a constant sort of thing where I try to um, grab those moments and then I try to make notes of them, some sort of mental note and you know a written or spoken note, but also like of the atmosphere or, or the feeling that I had, so that I can grasp it when I actually start working on a track. 
Wow. Wow. That, that's so neat that you can, you're almost like writing the song with the crowd. You're feeling out what they're doing. You're kind of taking yeah. in the emotion, letting yeah. it, letting the track write itself almost as the crowd begins to move. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Um, and the thing yeah. is that I never know exactly what the track is going to be until I'm actually working on it or I, I collaborate with somebody who contributes, like, say, the vocal melody or something. So, sure. again, I, I want to point out that I'm not meaning that I copy a track that by somebody right. else that I hear, but it's the feeling that it gives me mm-hmm. and the moment. And then um, I actually make a point of not um, referencing to that track when in, I'm, I'm in the studio, because I don't right. want even accidentally to like steal somebody's sounds or the actual exact thing or anything of it. But I, I, I steal the vibe or I steal the <laughs> the feeling that was in that moment and then I, I build on that because the inspiration that something gives you, whether it's, you know, your child laughing or a bit of news that you see on TV, whether it's good or bad or whatever, whenever you get that kind of feeling or vibe of something, um, it's best to try and somehow remember that, internalize it so that you can pull from it when when you have the the chance to actually work on something wow wow with all this you're talking about and, and learning how to to capture the moment when did you discover that you actually had the love for music or for edm in itself how did that transpire oh well edm um something like early 90s i guess i mean i i was a fan of my my first ever v- cd that i bought myself was the the klf's white room that had tracks like 3am eternal and justified ancients and whatever it, it was um it was it was um life-changing for me there were some stuff like guru josh and the 49ers and black box of course I listened to a really wide variety of, of dance music. That there was European uh, sort of this uh, schlager dance music, I would say. Bad Boys Blue and Modern Talking. Um, then there was, you know, Hadaway, What is Love, obviously. Mm-hmm. Faithless some biggies, some biggies that came out of the gate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Robert Miles' Children was absolutely one of my uh big triggers so to say but then i listened to jean-michel jar uh mid or late 80s when i was just like preteen, basically um and then i listened a lot to like twisted sister and bon jovi's and you know the 80s hair metal <laughs> stuff 80s hair bands we've all been there bro <laughs> um, it's a guilty but so, pleasure but so yeah, no, nah, you know what? I'm very happy and proud to say that, you know, it doesn't have to be even a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure. <laughs> that's, that's no shame in my game, man. I love it. I um, love it. <laughs> but, but anything that has sort of catchy, hooky melody, some emotion, it can be happy or sad, but, and then energy. Like my, my music, most of it has some sort of driving drum thing bass thing or whatever that that is it like makes you nod or move and i that's that's what i look look for myself like if i'm working on a track that seemingly has all kinds of stuff in it that should work but if it doesn't for somehow make me move then it's just a bunch of drums that won't work together yet or mm. so um but but i was i was uh studying i was kind of a late bloomer believe me or not like i knew early on my love for dance music and music in general was was great but i never played an instrument um like that Uh, you know we had like a little casio keyboard home so i would play like twinkle twinkle little star or whatever (laughs) but one fingered um but I was always interested in music really, really sort of deeply. And my buddies who would just go out and, you know, when that time was, you know, teens and late teens, you know, get wasted and whatnot. I often stayed home and listened to my radio stations and tried to catch that, you know, record on a tape. Oh, I used to the, do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, that was me. And yeah, everybody did that, but I did that to like the ninth degree compared to my buddies <laughs> at least at that point. But I never played anything, so I wasn't gravitating towards being in a band or anything like that. And then I played ice hockey, uh, so that took a lot of my time. Uh, you know, it's not that I missed making music because I didn't even know I could do that. But so then I started studying uh, at a new school, mid, well, 1995 in, in Turku in Finland, and a couple of my new buddies there at, at that school showed me how to um how i can make music with just the computer there were these softwares like early on tracker programs that were kind of like samplers but within a computer and you could quite crudely but but still you could sample tracks or you could play you know kick drums and hi-hats and and melodies with pianos and whatnot and the cr sound quality wasn't amazing, whatever, but it, that, that was besides the point. Like, I all of a sudden heard, like, into the music. I heard there was a hi-hat separately, and there was a kick, and there was a bass. And mm. then before that, I was more like a regular music listener who just hears the main melody or the main lyrics and can whistle and hum to those but sure. from then on i i was probably the most boring person to go out with for instance <laughs> because i wouldn't party and dance or whatever because i would be just like sitting or standing there trying to analyze what i hear wow like, oh wow. the hi-hat goes like that and the kicks <laughs> is like that and oh 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 the piano melody yeah, yeah okay cool and my buddies would be just like nudging me like what the fuck are you doing dude <laughs> oh my french and it it, it was just it was just literally um, to a point that it was it was bad because I would not enjoy music of others or mine because I would just always be analyzing it. <laughs> and then a couple of years in, I realized that I got a little bit over that because I started hearing me pieces of music that actually I loved. I, I you know, and mm. so those. Since then, I've just always said that you know you can always learn something even from a bad piece of music or something mm -hmm. that you don't like sure you know analytically Makes you sense. can learn yeah, from sure it but 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 then uh it's also true that if you don't realize to analyze something it probably is because it just takes you with you mm -hmm. or with it like you sure, it's sure. so good that you you're not you don't have a chance to analyze you just enjoy it mm -hmm. and so at some point i i started getting over myself and also <laughs> i started sort of honing into the the dance my kind of dance music a little more so i started maybe more concentrating on listening to that and found a lot more tracks that made a difference to me and that that i guess uh was the mark that they were so good that i wasn't always just analyzing i needed to listen to them once or twice first just enjoy them and then i started analyzing well, with all that going on in the background, you enjoying your music, becoming the this new artist as you were forming in your mind, you create this groundbreaking track, Sandstorm. And people like Dead Mouse say this is the track that really brought EDM or trance or to the forefront in the US. Uh, you know, what were you thinking when you created that track? Were you were you in your was it just something you had found a vibe or a, a feeling when you were creating that? What was going on when that track was created? Well, I mean, that was by far not my first track. It was, you know, I started making music ninety, late ninety nine, I uh, late ninety five or ninety six or so, and and Sandstorm, the the actual version came out in ninety nine. But I, I I made the do 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 melody thing in, <laughs> I think ninety seven, and it sat on my hard drive for a good while. And then ninety nine. Really, it sat, it sat uh, around for a while. You didn't. Yeah. Go, it didn't come right yeah. out. Almost two. <laughs> almost two years, man. Wow. I, I wasn't. I I wasn't inspired enough at that point, or I wasn't skilled enough, or whatever. I didn't hear what I just later heard, mm -hmm. and then like happy accidents happened. I, like the the melody was the same, but it wasn't distorted. So then later on, like well, August. July or August 99, I put it in Cubase, and in Cubase, I distorted it with this, um, is it Quadrafuzz, I think it was the, the distor Cubase. multiband distortion 
yeah. a, a plugin, and then um, it became that distorted doo 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 sound that mm -hmm. is on on the release, and all of a sudden it's like holy crap, you know, uh, the chords sort of came quickly. I figured them out, other stuff around it, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I had no idea it would be big. I I was just having fun i was just um doing my usual thing like one thing led to another um i actually had a buddy who did a little rap on it like this not 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 like a hip-hop type rap like the speed hip house or whatever kind of rap couple of words that was repeating on it we tried that or oh, i tried that and then i sang this little sing songy thing on, you on, sang on, on it? one verse <laughs> Yeah, but it's you know, you trust me, you don't want to hear I that. I can't imagine. I can't imagine on that track. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know. I I hope and it, nobody can because. <laughs> but but I, I tried a couple of things, but it always ended up that um, the lead melody was so strong that there was first of all no no real space for anything else, mm -hmm. and then uh, especially when I, then when the demo. Uh, that I, I gave that to my buddy J16, who be then became my producer, um, and he was definitely the of the opinion that it doesn't need, shouldn't have any sort of vocal. And uh, then we produced the final form of the track in his studio with his sort of better gear and definitely better uh, <laughs> ears and ears and a golden sure. touch. Sure. And. Um, he'd been uh, in uh, in a DJing and production game for a good while already, several years, and he'd actually been uh, awarded like the best producer of the year in Finland and whatnot. I looked up to him and I was beyond happy, you know, being under his wing at that point, learning from him. And uh, it, it was really cool. But even him, like he, we didn't have any idea. He had just started his record company. I was his first signing. That was his first release oh on that God. label. <laughs> Happy accidents, and, uh, man. <laughs> we, we were just two kids in the studio. But, but I, what I do remember, though, we were dancing or hopping around and we were like, I don't know, giggling like... It, it, it was a good time and we were excited. We felt the track, but we had no idea that it would do anything like it has what done. What it did, yeah. It, it had magic, yeah. bro. And, and, and most people that I talk to about stuff like that, they, they, they not, most people tell me that they don't ever see that it's magic. It just happens. You know, it wasn't like it was planned no. magic. Right. No, it, it, it wasn't. Uh, the, the only thing, like, I can say, like, it's easy to have the 2020 now, but... But we were in the studio and we had a couple of tracks that we both liked and we sort of referenced uh, to certain things, you know, what was cool sound wise and what wasn't at that time and whatnot. But those were like tracks that you would never even realize that we were listening to at that time because y Jaco, JS and I, we had not very different tastes in music per se but he was more like a house guy and you would you know armin van helden was a big thing big dude for him at that point and for me i would be looking towards like dutch trance and mm -hmm. we combined those very different sounds within the dance music realm and and we did whether we said it to ourselves or wh whether we recognized it with the words that, hey, this is something crazy good. No, but but we were like, we were digging it. Like we were just involuntarily <laughs> hopping up and down in the studio and like high-fiving or whatever we, we did nice. at that time. And, you know, <laughs> just feeling it. But But for me, especially, like I hadn't been in a business even until then at mm. all. Um, not looking down on myself, but I never even knew that I could be a professional musician. So my wow. dream wasn't releasing music. Like when I gave him the demo, I asked for feedback. I didn't ask for, you know, I, I didn't ask to be signed. Wow. So, wow. so my dream was like burn a CD of my track and have a local DJ play it because I wasn't <laughs> wow. the DJ. Yeah. And yeah. so, so then my 
biggest dream all of a sudden came true already when somebody wanted to sign my track you know wow. that was one wow. i mean i basically i always say that i i stumbled into those things and i just you know periodically updated my dreams yeah. <laughs> you know awesome. you know upgrade upgrade so, uh, yeah this is uh, upgrade time like and now by the way i say that um uh you know dreams are different from goals and it's actually a, a very very good practice to separate those two like i don't sure. know what would be a good good you know my dream would be to if it was safe mm -hmm. to like i don't know jump down from the stratosphere like that one guy did with <laughs> you know couple of years ago i don't remember he's yeah. a bomb whatever that that you know <laughs> crazy yeah. and crazy talented like that's a dream i i'll probably never do that and sure. not even striving to realize that right but it would be amazing to you know yeah. have that yeah. free fall and experience that but wow. then you know if you wanna if you say that you're gonna uh you dream that you're gonna win a grammy one day Mm -hmm. uh, you know mm -hmm. um i don't dream about it i have that as my goal nice and whether that's what you know but but there's a difference like whether that's going to happen or not i don't know but but at least i've realized that it's not impossible in terms of mm. you know um it's not a it, it's a lot about skills but it's a lot about connections it's a lot about this and that and i've been in the business for so long that i've realized that there are much talent much more talented people uh way below my success level mm -hmm. and they're much less talented way above yeah. my you know skill <laughs> so level true. whatever so true M meaning meaning and like i'm not naming names not dissing anybody but meaning that anything is possible if you just like, I don't know, hit the right, you know, open the right door or whatever. Mm -hmm. So then that that's why it, say a Grammy for me. So it's just a goal now. Sure, it's not sure. a dream. Wow, wow. And and knowing now that you you know when you once you reach the success of Sandstorm, I mean that I'm sure that was huge behemoth. You didn't even know that was coming. Then the the people are like, okay, what's next? They're looking at you like what's next in your trick bag because you know once success comes mm. the bar is raised so they're looking for you to do something else how did that feel going into creating your your second record were you ready were you nervous how'd you feel about that well f uh feel the beat was was this uh, follow-up single and people always or some critics or some you know whatever loudmouth say that we made that uh very similar to sandstorm because sandstorm was successful but that's not true uh we made it very similar sound wise because we loved those sounds we uh js had just bought a while ago i don't know if you can see it but i've got a jp8080 here roland yeah. trans machine and then i have a nordlead 2 here which is both yeah. what we used back <laughs> then uh as well uh, nice. i'll never get rid of those nice. um and so we 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 just we just liked those sounds. They were new, they were big, they were lush, they were nice. Um, and also, Yarko's studio was um, not analog, but, but old school. He had an analog mixer and everything was in samplers and hardware synths, not digital audio within a computer. So when you did a mix down of something, for instance, if you wanted to redo the mix down, you better do it the next day before you reset your mixer and yeah, other yeah. gear. Yeah, yeah. So, so for instance, uh, we didn't work on Feel the Beat the next day, but Jakos setup in that studio was quite similar. Um, channels were always the same on the on the mixer and so on. Mm -hmm. So when we started working on Feel the Beat, Sandstorm wasn't internationally successful yet. It was just because we were working on the follow-up we had the same five six pieces of gear like synth ah, and sample wise okay okay and that's okay. that's why we were just basically going with similar sounds and yeah. it's a, in fact funny if you listen to you know there's somebody saying oh they're like the same track well mm. 
then you are listening to it on a sound level only because they're actually quite different pieces mm -hmm. of music. Sure. Um, Chords-wise, quite different. Uh, mm -hmm. The rhythm base on them is different. Uh, if you... It's it's hard to explain. It just because it has that it, familiar sound. That's all. That sound yeah. that they heard in Sandstorm was what brings them uh, right uh, back to it. That's all. Yeah, and for instance, like in Sandstorm, you have the the synth pad go like starting on one, and on feel the beat, it actually doesn't start on one, but there's like it starts on whatever. Uh, <laughs> is it on an eighth or or, or a sixteenth? Yeah. But sure. And 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 the the rhythm is different. Yes, the similar sounds can fool you, but but um, on a feel the beat that do 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 sound is not the main thing. It actually that sure. track would actually work without it as well. But we put it there so as to remind that hey, Sandstorm was there as well. Sure, and sure. Um, this is the follow up. Uh, one has vocal, the other one doesn't, and so on. So wow. there was no pressure really making feel the beat. Uh, there was of course expectation because when we got ready to release it then sandstorm was successful to a point already but as of making the track very little comparatively because it it was already almost a full track when when we started realizing sandstorm was like working on some sales charts and so on wow. but then uh, uh you know we actually got quite rushed working on the first album just because that's how the business works like you know labels and uh, his label as well or us as well we wanted the album out quick when uh sandstorm and feel the beat were still hot around the world in on you know different dance and you know sales charts so it just makes sense but um it's not that we half-assed anything but it was definitely uh deadline after deadline after deadline with with each track on the album and you know getting it mastered and so on but it still wasn't like we didn't realize sandstorm was still just getting yeah, it was bigger still building. and yeah and uh but then that the, the second going. album <laughs> it kept going yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah to be to be honest the second album in 2003 we started working on 2002 at some point at one point there was definitely pressure but the good thing is that my closest uh friend and production partner at that point was the label owner himself my tiny label in finland and so there wasn't a label head or an a and r who was breathing down my neck you know make a hit make a hit or this or that got a follow-up sandstorm but we were in the studio together and we were both working and we uh we had different sort of ideas and different directions for certain stuff but we were uh he wasn't there with a you know like a label owner money hat on but it was he, he he's a producer himself he's a very hands-on guy and uh i wouldn't be here without him because he he first of all he found me so to say but then also he sh he showed me so much of production and and helped me with the first two records but i didn't have the chops to uh you know professionally mix and and, and produce stuff to anywhere near the same level he had at that point so wow. um but then we decided after like maybe a couple of sessions or whatever, like, look, man, you know, Sandstorm, this success, that um, we never made those tracks thinking of success. It was sure. both of us loving music, him, especially he was also a seasoned DJ at that point, And we were just thinking like what would work on a dance floor, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so so it was um at one point just a decision we were working on this vocal female vocal track dance uh like an uplifting trans record called next to you and that was one of the options as a first single and second album and then there was a uh we were kind of like that was the obvious because it was pretty vocal you know not a happy but a uplifting track and whatnot com most commercial on what we had at that point but then we were like, you know what, if we release that and it 
doesn't do a big splash then it's kind of a failure like mm. like then it's really a failure because it's obvious that we're trying to do a commercial record right, right and so then then another track that we had been working on was a track called music which we then chose to be the first single of the second album thinking that we'd rather just not have success if it so happens with a track that is not uh necessarily even trying to be commercially successful so we just chose to go with sort of a harder and rougher track and um thinking the same sort of like if it works on the dance floor that's enough for us and uh mm -hmm. well that track works on the dance floor it didn't become a huge commercial success uh though we had it on like there was like a canadian chart there was a polish mm -hmm. chart there was mm -hmm. finnish chart some some countries here and there that it actually was quite to towards top and whatnot so it wasn't like a failure but sure. comparing to sandstorm yeah. well nothing's really been nothing's really <laughs> been that big so but 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 we did uh we sort of did this it was just a principle like we we didn't want to be seen as you know trying to get commercial right. success right. sort of on right. the wave of the earlier stuff like desperately and sure. um sure. i'm quite happy we did that because it was then um yeah it would be great to always have huge commercial success but at the same time we just followed what we wanted to do and i think that's also quite respectable well, going into that question, you said it perfectly. You know, you've had the success of a great hit record or two or three. You've toured the world. I mean, you've seen it all, done it all in those spaces. Um, what would you consider, or what was the moment that you felt like, okay, I've finally reached success? Maybe it wasn't the record. Maybe it was something else that happened uh, where you go, okay, I've reached it. I'm here. Uh, no, well, okay, so I'll, I'll give you two things. This wasn't, I didn't know that I reached success or that it would last or anything like that but i'll give you a moment that i i will never forget or sort of short time period um summer 2000 mtv ibiza 2000 party so the mtv europe had this party in ibiza and it was an outdoor festival and uh, i was invited to play there and uh, it was my first time going to ibiza for that's one you know i'm there the mecca of dance music and getting to party a little bit and saw the DJs and and then I'm there and I realize walking past this huge billboard like by the entrance and they had tons of names there but my name was between uh, Armand van Helden and Underworld and then on the lineup was, for instance, Paul Van Dyke as well, who I, you know, looked up to for long. And then that was just like, holy shit, my name is like <laughs> on the same poster with these guys. I that mean, there were many. Had to be a moment. Uh, many, uh, be a moment. Oh, that that was a huge moment. But <laughs> but just not that yet was like so that the the main day that when I played. Uh, about an hour before my own set on the main stage, there was this trans arena where Paul Van Dyke was playing. And I was like 200 yards away or something like that in our backstage. And I heard he started playing Sandstorm. Oh, so I'm just like oh, oh, oh. running there. Wow. <laughs> and it's, it's this, it's this space for maybe 2000, maybe 5,000 people. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to gauge. I don't remember exactly, but, but so I went backstage and I told like stage hand or pause manager or somebody like, Hey, um, you don't know me, but that's my track. And so he went to tell Paul, Paul invited me to his booth and I saw the crowd go mental. And that was like one of the first times where I first of all saw that in that scale, but then also like that was Paul Van Dyke. That was like, oh, you know. How awesome was so, that, man? Yeah, and it didn't end there. So then I, um, I watch him play the track, watch crowd go crazy. I walk back to my backstage, but then um, at that point, um out uh, underworld was on um 
you know, they, they'd start, just started their set and well, nobody knows me. I'm in Ibiza the first time I went in the crowd, in, in the middle of the crowd, listened to their play, you know, their set. And um, like I'd listened to their stuff for a good while at that point and was just like going bonkers hearing them live only to realize that I'll have to not listen to it till the end because <laughs> it's my time soon. Because you got to go backstage. <laughs> yeah, walk backstage and prep for my own set. You know, they ended this like maybe 10 minute exchange time or whatever. And then I'm on. And that was... <laughs> Mind-blowing. And yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll never forget just trying to like not be too obvious that I just, you know, I'm fanboying everybody and being there <laughs> and just being like, what the hell's going on? And at the same time, just like uh, take it all in. So it was pretty damn cool. That's amazing. And then bro. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And then, but, and, and again, like not success wise, I've, I've, I don't know if I've like, I'm very sort of cautious with, um, and sort of, um, yeah, I, I guess cautious or, um, reserved with the success measures or financials or whatever, but, but it was really cool early on, like early two thousands after a couple of years of sort of being in a business, realizing that there was something in it. Like it wasn't like one year and done or whatever. And uh, I was able to uh, quit. I had a part-time job and I, I was able to quit that. And then I also, um, I bought an apartment and like being at the bank and signing <laughs> the papers and, and knowing that, uh, I mean, I didn't pay that on that go, but like uh, yeah. normally you would have like whatever, 10, 15 or whatever year mortgage yeah, yeah. and so on. And I, I would uh, be able to do that in just a couple of years. That's big time. Um, and that was just mind blowing, obviously. Wow. And, and wow. it wasn't a real job, you know, or people <laughs> didn't consider a real job. And, and I didn't because it was fun as hell. Nice. So, nice. I yeah. love that. I love that. I love that. Um, you know, even like now I, I meet a lot of the DJ producers. I've, I've met Ferry Corson. I've met... Um, uh, protoculture, a couple of the guys that are out there. And a lot of you guys tell me that the, the EDM world, the DJ world, is, is a kind of a, a tight-knit family. Everybody kind of knows each other, looks out for each other, at least the people that I've met so far. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you got out there and met people, was everybody pretty good? And did you, you know, what was the person that you really wanted to meet that you fan bad on? You talk about Paul Van Dyke. Which one did you want to meet mm -hmm. and did you get to work with? Did you get to work with any other heroes you thought, I'd never be able to do that, but you did? Um, well, I mean, uh, starting from J16, Jakko, uh, he, he was somebody who I looked up to in Finland and, and he had had a couple of records that were actually internationally successful as well. There's a track called Stomp to My Beat that, um, was in 98, I believe you know, on, on some billboard chart in the U S for instance, uh, so I looked up to him, but then I got to uh, work with him and know him, and uh, that didn't take anything away from that, but you get used to that, of course. So so it's not like I fanboy him, you know, for years <laughs> right, and years, right. uh, because I'm, I'm, you know, you know, making music and, you know, in the same room with him and whatnot. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like I said, meeting, for instance, Paul and I, we were on, a, on the same label in Germany, for instance, and uh, I didn't get to work with him then, but I got to meet him a couple of times. And then like I've, I, I hung out with him like in Ibiza or something, just quickly, not hung out, just said hi and whatnot. And that was really cool. Sure. But, but for instance, we didn't then become great friends. It was just, you know, respectful, you sure. know, handshakes sure. and whatnot. And, um, for instance, in, in Paul's case, I, I don't know if I could, uh, you know, if I would dare to say that we're friends cause we sort of, we don't hang out in the same circles right. and we don't call <laughs> right. each other like that. But I've, I've met him over the years several times. He's, he's the nicest guy. He's, he's such a, 
sort of low key. Uh, he's all about his music and and nice. and um, I, uh, I I like him a lot. I've I've met Ferry a bunch of times as well, and he's a, such a sweetheart. Yeah, um, so talented. And um, what I like about him as well is he um, he doesn't give a crap. Like he he has similarly to me, I guess, like some sort of a stamp you know he's a trans guy or mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. he is but he's made so many different kinds of things and while i haven't released under you know many many names like that but i mean i've made different kinds of music and fairy as well like he's he's i don't know how many aliases he has because <laughs> he just wanted to uh release different kinds of music under different yeah. aliases and and he's not he, if somebody thinks that he's like a trans guy only like they're quite sorely yeah mistaken and then also yeah, missing out if they don't if they yeah if they won't won't check out his other other stuff yeah um yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think um, like an armin van buren or andy well Moore. i've met armin i i like i like armin a lot uh I, I basically like almost everybody who i've met and i wouldn't badmouth somebody who i have who i don't <laughs> Yeah, good um, idea. Don't back up anybody. <laughs> so, some people, some people are more reserved than others, but but most people in the in the industry who I've met, like on the road and online and stuff, we get each other's trials and tribulations to a point at least. So most of the time, we tend to be quite sort of, you know, on a on a similar level sure uh change changing war stories peer-to-peer -peer <laughs> and uh it you know a lot of us come from quite nerdy backgrounds as well so <laughs> it, we we, sh we might share a good bit of similar sort of i don't know nice. workflows or how 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 sure, we work sure. but um uh, one, one cool thing happened just recently like i've um i've known Dave Dresden from Gabriel and Dresden for a good long time. We've actually had when I've uh, early 2000s when I toured in the US, there was uh, a guy, our mutual friend who was my tour manager for a tour or two in the US. And he was Dave's one of Dave's best friends. And um, we kind of got to know each other then via just a phone call or whatever. And then I've over the years, I've met him several times. But now, um, couple of years ago we had this uh, producer dj meetup here in finland at um uh, Silyamaki's place um who is part of above and beyond mm -hmm. and uh dave was there as well and that was like the first time we actually got to hang, hang out for for a couple of days actually and and um it's not like we didn't hit it off before that but now it, you know actually became sort of personal being being you know in the same place and sure, and since sure. then we've been in touch a little more and it was really cool i uh when their early, the latest album came out uh remedy i asked for uh stems to actually whatever track he would want me to remix and i remixed a track called 12 mm -hmm. and i i completely messed it up actually made it <laughs> very very different from the original just <laughs> okay. to just to see what kind of reaction i could get out of dave and and josh sure. and um uh i made it a drum and bass <laughs> record <laughs> and uh and it's an instrumental track and i actually sang on it myself but oh. you wouldn't recognize me because i put it through <laughs> like vocoders and and <laughs> vocal synths yeah. and whatnot sure sure and uh, the cool thing is that uh their label on juno beats actually released it so so that's like um i could say sort of a another a long an, another accident that you do <laughs> you had a couple of yes and a, and a long time dream come true to sort of working with uh gabriel and dresden because i've uh, i've uh, loved their stuff since you know i don't know early 2000s whenever their first stuff motorcycle as a rush comes was one of the first tracks that i heard from them and then there's um the, under that alias and uh jess was singing on it and then um several other things 
over the years that I've I played in my DJ sets and gotten to know the guys a little bit. So so that That's was really awesome. cool. That's awesome. Well, man, I know I'm taking up a ton of your time, so I want to ask like maybe one more question to kind of rope a couple things in. And um, with with so much happening now with the pandemic. You know, the that's changed yeah. the whole landscape of touring and venues and all that. You know, how are you staying creative and connected to your fans? Like, how are you able to you know, generate some some excitement? Yeah, uh, screw COVID, if you know you ask me. But um, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're all saying screw COVID, man. We're all over it. <laughs> we're with you. Yeah, I I'm actually right now uh, I'm. I'm putting on a really brave face i've i've really had this um it's not de depression like that i'm just pissed off <laughs> a lot all the time <laughs> i've i've been i've been going kind of like back and forth these this wave some some weeks i'm good some i'm not and like the last week or two i've just been not so great but um uh, silver lining of this all is uh first time in 20 years i've been home more than couple of months mm -hmm. uh of the year basically well i mean uh, well that's not right but i mean my my two kids when they were born i was home a month two months before and after on both our firstborn even a little longer but but other than that I, i'm on the road quite a lot so being home waking up home every morning you know hot cereal <laughs> little blueberries in a mix you know the little one to the Good daycare on, yeah you know <laughs> it, it 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 can be a little bit of a groundhog day after 20 years of being on the road and waking up in different rooms around the world sure. but once you get used to it it's it's actually really cool you know putting my girl to bed mm -hmm. slapping my my uh, son a uh, uh, high five with my son him you know whatever being in a backyard shooting pucks yeah uh, me getting to actually witness that i mean that all is uh you know that that has so much value that mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i know i would have survived and they would have survived if i was touring the same way because that's what i did before and it's mm -hmm. all good that way as well but but now this has forced me to mm -hmm. um you know change the routine so that's that's amazing i've also been in a studio quite a lot more than i normally would be um though like a year ago when this started the first two three months i could not get anything done like it was so strange i was so stressed and you know homeschooling figuring everything out uh, you know not knowing if it's going to be a week or a month or a year and we still don't um so that, uncertain, that was man. quite so uncertain yeah that, that was quite quite strange but but i started streaming uh regularly like i've i've been um streaming online on on twitch uh since 2015 really but was sort of random here and there sometimes a couple of times a week sometimes a couple of times a month and so on but when when this lockdown stuff started i started doing um uh, fridays a dj stream which i still do every friday 6 p.m my time so eet and um then i've done mondays have been studio streams not every monday uh, the last half a year but i did the you know from march to july or so i did every monday i did something studio wise so i produced a track or showed how i tuned this kick drum or i showed how i made a back catalog track of mine or something like that and then on wednesdays i've had Mm, these peer chat ones and fan chat ones i've actually given out a, a whatsapp number and people can text me questions ah, that's and cool. um or pictures or videos and <laughs> i won't show those <laughs> i bet you get some random stuff man we'll leave it right uh, there we will <laughs> yeah but but the really cool thing has been that um the wednesday ones i've actually done these peer calls so i for instance uh a couple of months ago this year I, I spoke with dave dresden for an hour and a half we were just telling stories i would have uh you know with all the artists it's not an interview at all but but i find some facts i 
figure out releases of theirs that I've loved over the years that I played myself in my DJ sets. And, you know, I might ask tech questions. How did you make this? Or I might give the fans a chance to ask a question, but it's just a a chat where the people watching can kind of like eavesdrop in Uh, very, very, you know, chill. And that's been really cool. And I'm actually starting those again. Like I've got what seven, eight people right now lined up and I'm uh, still figuring out schedules and stuff, but, We'll, we'll start awesome. that d- d- towards the summer again. And I also I'm in the process of working on some edited material for for Mondays for the studio streams because mm-hmm. I figured out the, the I love doing the streaming, the production stuff, but but to be completely honest, it doesn't really serve a purpose other than mm-hmm. for that moment for those people who are watching it, who want to watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a lot of time that goes into the preparation of that and um believe me then, I, I do these all the yeah, time yeah <laughs> but 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 then the actual stream is still quite a loose format mm-hmm. and there's a lot of ums and ums and a lot of mousing around for nothing sort of mm-hmm. then i mm-hmm. take a question from the crowd and that distracts me from what i'm saying <laughs> and um while that when it's happening is just fine it's great but mm-hmm. But what I want to do is I'm going to actually do tutorial type of material the same way that I would do on a stream, but then I'll edit it together. So instead Mm. of 30 minutes of me rambling, it's going to be five minutes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll, then I, then I want to play those on stream live and then I can comment on them after the fact, but that way then that's actually a content that somebody might want to watch after the fact as True. well as a tutorial piece say on on youtube or or other platforms so so that's what i'm working on right now and uh i know that, this was a long monologue but the, but, no, but that's, that's what that, i've been doing that works uh yeah that's what i've been doing for i don't know you know replacing me me being on a road gigging and um yeah, yeah. the the uh the the best thing about the streaming is um people are often thanking me for me giving my time to them and blah blah sure. blah but they don't understand that i get so much out of it myself uh, the yeah. feeling that there's a connection feeling you know i matter my music mm. or my djing matters and then when i do you know have t- stuff that i want to try out it's not really a dance floor that i can see and smell sure. but it's comments on the chat and it's it's vibes and it's yeah, still it's, a very it's similar instant gratification. thing it's instant you can get yeah. that yeah from the from the crowd it's yeah. pretty amazing it's pretty amazing yeah so and, so and that, I've, that, I've been doing that and enjoying it a lot and that that closes us off and because the, the last thing i was just going to curtail us out with was just now that you know with covid doing its thing and you've had time and you're at home your, the last record you actually released was, uh, I think it was Moments, which was 2015. Yeah. Is there something new on the horizon? Are your fans getting excited for a new record coming? Or is it going to stay in the stream and the Twitch vibe and kind of go that direction? Um, so uh, I do not have an actual plan, whether it's an album, whether it's several EPs, or whether it's something else. But I am working on, I want to say... About twenty or so tracks in their various phases right now. I got a couple that I've been um, already. Some of them actually, when I like a year ago, uh, their early versions, one or two, I've tried out live. But mm-hmm. now I have a couple of them quite in their final form, and I've I played some of them as ID ID, so no names on uh, <laughs> on different streams and tested them out and. Um, it's interesting the the lockdown djing from this studio basically i'm one of the few ones who actually sit down to <laughs> a lazy dj i guess but but i don't want to try and fake that i'm in a pumped up stage in right in a club because i'm not i gotcha i gotcha but but so so that kind of djing and that kind of crowd that i don't see and i don't you know the energy is not you know the sweat sure. is not there it actually makes you DJ differently, but it's also making you think of music a little different. And it's True. it's been quite cool to um, it it gives you a permission not to think of every track as the biggest energy drop ever, mm. but you can actually like 
build longer or build lower energy on purpose do whatever you want so um like my like i said 170 bpm drum, uh, drum and bass track was one that was released a while ago as a remix uh there's a 120 bpm really sort of slow house based track there's a couple of like tech house couple of deep house couple of progressive house couple of trans uplifting trans vocal trans instrumental trans one or two like techno e tracks um that's the, that's the professional two. term techno e that's the professional term yeah exactly <laughs> if i said tech, if i said techno, techno and people and people hear it the techno people here they'll be like ah that's not techno <laughs> so so it's techno e <laughs> um to, by the way 20 something years in in the business and i suck at genres uh, the the definitions of things i suck at them and i kind of don't care my third <laughs> album was labeled uh, or called label this mm, because there you go. I, I didn't really want to call it trance and I didn't know what sure. the different sounds in it were. So I just challenged the listener <laughs> to label it. Well, I love that attitude. I love your creativity. I love that you spent a whole lot of time with us. I was I was very glad. I didn't know I was going to get this much time with you. But I appreciate your willingness to huh. share and be transparent and talk about what it meant to come from where you were to become who you are and and to talk about your kids and just the whole life you've built now we appreciate that time man oh my pleasure man my pleasure and hey um if if ferry ever watched this because i watched good part of his um <laughs> um he should buy some lights for his studio oh yeah <laughs> he, he expressed he had a bad day with the lighting on that one so i was giving him static on that but he'll he'll <laughs> He's yeah. got a better lighting system coming. <laughs> Everybody can't be as cool as you, man. Your room is cool. There you go. Oh. <laughs> cool. right, yeah, man. your 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 talk with I enjoyed your talk with Ferry, but um, Thank like you so I said, I've I've uh, uh, he he's uh, he's a really nice guy and uh, the, such a humble I dude. Also Just agree. a humble dude. I, you know? I also agree with you. The the fair stuff that he's working on, the chill stuff, mm -hmm. is very very cool. It's cool. It's yeah. major cool. Yeah. I mean that it's it's yeah. a departure and it, it's just another extension of him, which I think is just so cool, you know? Absolutely. All right, brother. Cool. Well, look, you get back to making lots of music and I'm gonna make sure everybody sees this episode of you, man. How can they get a hold of you so we can make sure your fans can find you? Is there are there any uh, any other websites or something like that you want people to, to, to reach out to you there? Well, first and foremost, uh, I'm still DJing weekly, um, twitch.tv slash Darude. Uh, it's okay. 6 p.m. EET, and uh, it's, uh, well, time change was just now. So it's uh, a.m. in the U.S. and uh, later on in Australia, so to say, for okay. instance. But uh, And um, I'm Darude on Facebook and Instagram, and Darudeville the root vil uh on twitter and um twitter i'm active myself on i also read my facebook and insta but uh not so active day-to-day -day responding sure. to things so if you want to get hold of me come to my twitch stream and say hi or or uh, tag me on twitter and you will catch me also i have a phone here that the number can be found possibly on my twitter or insta at the moment so you can send me a message <laughs> dangerous, there dangerous 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 <laughs> yeah every, every time number. somebody sends a picture i'm kind of like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well again man thanks for taking the time and you heard it first here we're gonna let you guys reach out to him and when you get a chance this is the incredible darude and we just thank you for the time man. appreciate you brother thank you man and for everybody out there, we hope you enjoyed this segment. What a great time to learn about a great artist who's just done so much for the industry and uh, that you guys can go out and do the same thing. A lot of un and, and unusual accidents came along his way to create his success. So it's not always super planned. Every moment has to be super pigeonholed. Sometimes you just make some great accidents and they become what they are. You become that successful person. It takes you right there. So... I hope you enjoyed that and heard a lot of things that you can take for yourself. As always, look forward to seeing you again at the next Beautiful Now podcast. Thanks for coming. Have a great one. Take care.